one New Year's Eve at the London's Garrick Club, British dramatist Frederick Lonsdale was asked by his friend Seymour Hicks to reconcile with a fellow member of the club because the two had had an argument in the past and they had never restored their friendship ever since. And Hicks said, said to his friend, you must. It is very unkind to be unfriendly at such a time. So go over now and wish him a happy new year. So Lonsdale crossed the room and spoke to his enemy. I wish you a happy new year, he said, but only one. You know, we know in a funny way that this type of hard feelings are commonly found in, you know, in almost any family, in any social circle. You find this sort of tensions or resentments. And I think they, they, you know, we know that they take away our peace in so much. You know, there's a heavy burden to carry. And they may be such a challenge, in fact, that a lot of people may think that we should basically give up on the task of creating strong communities and, and bond really closely. And, and they could even become cynical about it, you know. But what we hear in the readings today runs contrary to that. For example, the prophet Ezekiel says you have to admonish the sinner, warn those who head to destruction. And St. Paul speaks about charity as the fulfillment of all the law. And then Jesus says, as part of the community life of his disciples, you have to pray together and even correct your brother when he is going the wrong direction. So all of this is conveying the sense that, you know, in God's idea of human f flourishing, it's included that there's a robust network of social relationships. And this, this is not affirmed in a naive way. The Bible assumes that we are sinners, that we are wounded, and that we often hurt each other. And so, you know, if there are to be such closely bound communities of people, we need to have in them the capacity for self-healing through forgiveness, correction, you know, patiently bearing with one another. Now, having said that, that God wants us to come together in, you know, uh, strong communities of faith with this capacity for reconciliation, it's true that what Jesus says today to begin with is a bit daunting. To go around admonishing people doesn't sound like the best, friend, the best way to make friends, right? Uh, but Jesus is not saying that either. What he's saying about correcting your brother or sister applies to a specific situation. Because of the context, you can see that he's thinking of people who are part of a living community of faith. They are so close and so undevout as to pray in common, to come together in prayer. And then you may notice that that brother or sister in that community starts to stray away or starts to live a sort of double life or something like that. And, and Jesus says that in that case, you had to do something. He had to warn your brother or sister. You cannot just say, well, out of sight, out of mind. He's gone. She's gone. No, he had to try to do something. Reach out to that friend, to that brother or sister. 
try to win them back. Now, while this situation that of people who lose their way may, might happen, uh, many of the tensions that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis, at home, at work, in school, are not so clear-cut. So let me maybe refer to those more ordinary situations in this homily. I mean, you may find the more extreme case of someone just losing faith. But I would rather think that, you know, many of us don't deal with that situation of correcting my brother because he's losing his path, but rather all these many, many circumstances in which we clash in smaller ways. Cases in which the responsibility for clashing is a bit shared, it's a bit of <laughs> responsibility on both ends, and they're not so serious in nature, but they're serious enough to put some strain in that relationship. It may be that, you know, the person I live with or I, my family, they're always late, and they always make me look bad because I arrive late, or, or they're always making a lot of noise, they cannot concentrate, or they don't do their share of work in the house, or you have to be working around them because they're not so efficient, or they're not so willing to listen to others, they talk all the time, or they're weak when they need to be firm and clear, or it's someone that doesn't open up, they don't trust, and that's causing tension. All those human weaknesses that cause some frustration or disenchantment in a relationship. And you wonder when all these different things happen, should I correct them? Should I say something? Or is that going to make things worse? Should I just keep to myself? I think that you know, a big part of the response to that is whether my own feelings about the situation are sincere or true. And what do I mean by that? You know, whether my own annoyance or disillusion about the situation or you know, frustration is, is my sincere feeling or is more than that. It's, it's a true feeling. Because it may be the case that something that I sincerely feel does not reflect the objective situation. Imagine, for example, the case of a man that often has sharp remarks for everybody around him. And he may perceive that as being witty and straightforward, and, but people feel a bit offended by those remarks, and they start to you know, avoid him. So after a while, he has come to sincerely feel that people don't like him so much, that other people in general are mean and selfish, and you know, that you shouldn't expect much from people's benevolence, and so on. Now, he may have come to feel that sincerely in the sense that those feelings result from his own experience. That's how he feels. And he does, he's not twisting his mind. That's how he honestly feels. But at the same time, those feelings are not quite true in the sense that they do not reflect the whole picture he has some responsibility for pushing people away. And maybe he's not aware how, uh, how his remarks are uh, received from the other end. And the solution for this man in the example would be, well, to move from sincere feelings to true feelings. Try to grasp not just what, how you feel, but what say, other people, you and other people feel. 
Let me give you a couple of examples of this and how that transition can be made. It begins with acknowledging it, but this one is a real story. Both are, are real, actual examples. A young man called Frank that was working in a bank. He was a very young clerk. He was 20, 20 at the time. And when he turned 21, he decided to throw a big party for his birthday. So he had food catered. He rented music equipment. And he invited a lot of his acquaintances, co-workers. And that evening when the party was about to start, well, nobody showed up. And with great embarrassment, he had to donate the food and send the caterer back home and return the equipment. And that night, he began to reflect and noticed that he had this choice before him. Either everybody around him was mean and cruel and ruthless, or he, there was something he, would, he was doing wrong in the way he was interacting with people. And he took the second choice. He says, I, I need to change. There's something in me that needs to change. Either everybody's wrong or I'm doing something wrong. And it was the beginning of a so new Frank. Well, I, I knew of him many years later. He, after some years, entered the seminary. He became a priest. And he died at a relatively young age. At his funeral, uh, it was packed because he was one of the kindest people you've ever met as a priest. It's amazing how this man was truly transformed. It was such a contrast, that funeral with his 21st birthday. And it all began with that reaction, going from his spontaneous feeling to realizing what is, what is true behind this. It's not just what I feel. The other story is a testimony of a man called Andrew. You know, he, he had a, a hard time opening up because he, you know, he grew in a family where nobody shared much about themselves. They all kept to themselves. So he had a very hard time opening up. He rarely saw his parents expressing any affection or sharing personal things. So he always tended to experience personal questions directed to him as invasive. And then he got married to this wonderful woman. And that, that tendency was causing trouble in his marriage. Until through prayer, he began to realize, you know, when my wife asks question, ask questions. She, she's not trying to pry. She's not trying to be invasive. It's, that's how I feel it. But she's actually, she wants to know from me how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. And she, and she has a right to know. So he realized, you know, I had to change. I had to open up more. And it was a process, he says. But, you know, his wife, Heather, was really good in kind of drawing him out for, with good questions and patience. But he said, you know, I can say that not all my feelings, but some feelings are a bit, don't reflect what's really happening. It's my way of perceiving that needs to kind of adjust slowly. So going back to my, the main topic, when you face those tensions with others that happen all the time, there's a disagreement, different styles of working things. I'm more spontaneous. Other people are better, more of a planner. Uh, I like to think out loud. They like to express their conclusions. Um, I like to just listen from everybody. They like to think things on their own. Whenever you feel those tensions, I suggest that you start with this basic question, you know. To what extent am I feeling annoyed at my roommate or co-worker or my dad, my cousin, stem, uh, sorry, uh, to what extent those feelings 
reflect the objective situation. I sincerely feel this way, but are those feelings corresponding to what's going on? Or is it just my way of perceiving how I filter things? If I suspect that my view, my feelings, don't, ref don't show the whole picture, maybe I should well, ask the other person. You know, hey, this is causing some trouble for me. What do you think? Why do you feel about it? Why is this going on? Or ask a third person. Listen, this is what happened. what's happening. How do you see it? Ask the Lord. Come to prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I need your light here. I need your help. Now, there may be cases in which you are right. That's totally, that could happen, that your feelings are genuine, that you have a reason to be annoyed at something, right? Well, in those cases, maybe it's something that's worth talking about, bringing out and talking to that person because the issue is causing some difficulty. But make sure it's, it's done with, without anger, that you do it in a calm and not a harsh way. But it also may be the case that it's something that God is asking you to bear patiently as a sort of daily cross. You know, there are situations in which I know that my dad is not going to change that. That's the way he is. Or there are situations in which people find it really, really hard to change. And maybe they will change more through my loving patience, bearing that as a, as a small cross, than through confrontation. And maybe that example of my patient love is what's going to accomplish more than my kind of correction and judgment. So may we pray and ask for this. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of family, friends, and community. I ask you, Lord, that you may help me restore those relationships that are wounded in some way or that you may give me the strength, Lord, to bear my cross when there are small tensions and conflicts. Shape my own soul and mind and lead me to love in a better way. Help me bear patiently, patiently the weaknesses that I find around me, just like other people need to bear with my own weaknesses. And I ask, Lord, that you may also help me realize whenever my own feelings are not reflecting what is out there. It's the way I feel, but it doesn't quite reflect what is true. Help me acknowledge that and find the true way to you. In your holy name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.